Hi, and welcome to another episode of Walleye Chronicles, where I find you guys, bring you in here and talk about how we get, how you got started fishing and how it's changed your life and how it makes your life better. Today, I have a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Nectarline. How are you doing today, Jeff? We're good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, so first off, let's talk about how'd you grow up? Were you poor, rich? <laughs> uh, we, we ate a lot of macaroni and cheese and boxed uh, goods growing up as a kid. So if that tells you how rich I was. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, so when did fishing first, what's your first memory of fishing? You know, I grew up in Marquette, Michigan. Uh, so I'm a youper uh, uh -oh. by trade. Uh -oh. So I trudged around on trout streams for okay. the most part growing up, um, you know, dinking and dunking for brook trout and brown trout, things like that. We had some walleye lakes nearby uh, that we started to explore as, as kids, once we got our driver's licenses, things like that. Um, but yeah, mainly just riding my pedal bike finding a stream and getting lost and bringing back some brook trout. That's kind of how I grew up. So, so were you doing that with friends or just kind of by yourself or was there a couple of guys out there that were causing trouble? And yeah, uh, I grew up in a pretty cool neighborhood where literally all my buddies fished. Okay. So when we were old enough to venture off away from home, we were gone all day. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, it's embarrassing to say this, but I, I have to kick my kids out of the house right? to go do something these days versus when I was a kid, I'd get spanked because I got home too late. Right. Yeah. You grabbed your <laughs> grabbed your baseball glove, whatever, fishing yeah. pole, and left, and come yeah. back by streetlights. Yeah. So, how were you fishing for those er, uh, those trout early? Just crawlers, yeah. or um, once we got to wherever we were going to fish, we dig worms. Uh -huh. You know, put some worms oh, in a baggie like and DIY. Yeah, <laughs> DIY. Hook a bag of hooks, some sinkers. Uh, if, if I was brave enough to sneak into my stepdad's tackle box and grab a MEP spinner <laughs> <laughs> and lose that at some point during the day. Uh, that's what we do too. So spinners, spinners and crawlers, you know, hook sinkers, pretty simple stuff. Were you guys keeping them or just letting them all go? No, we'd eat them. We'd, okay. that, yeah, we'd sometimes we'd make a fire right in the woods and, and Jeez, just cook them right there youpers, on a stick. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Survivors. <laughs> right. Surviving for the day. I suppose you need your lunch. Yeah. Um, did you ever, so I remember when I was like, we would go trout fishing, we always had like uh, a bag, we just throw them in a bag and yep. just bring them back home. Yeah, bag, uh, we'd take some grass like along the side of the stream, See, tall we, grass, we wet did it. This, we did the same thing, yeah. but does that, I mean, does that really work? Yeah, it does, it fucking... keeps it cool. Um, sometimes we'd have a creel, you know, those little okay. wicker yep. creels that you'd wear like over your shoulder. I always thought those were from the movies. Yeah, no, they actually, <laughs> they actually work well because they got a little like uh, quick basket on the top or a quick cover oh, so you can slightly. drop them in and they can't slip out of your hand if you're in the middle of the stream oh that makes sense um but yeah we'd fill them with wet grass and that would be you know kind of our cooler if you will i gotcha to keep them uh at least semi-cool throughout the so day so did you ever get any them. crazy trouble when you, just you guys when you're young like that <laughs> on bicycles yeah yeah that's great that you brought that up so one of the streams we fished was called the cherry creek okay and it's a feeder stream that feeds into a larger stream called the chocolate river well on the Cherry Creek, there, there was a DNR fish hatchery. Uh-oh. Yeah. So the nice part about that was, is the Cherry Creek flew right through the hatchery because that's what fed all the, uh, uh, all the things. brook trout fingerlings. Yep. Well, on the back side of it was a nice pool, probably, I don't know, size was uh, like a, a city, a city pool that okay. kids would swim in, surrounded by trees and cover. So we'd sneak in there and make long casts and then run back in the woods and reel in our spinners. And man, we'd catch, we'd catch brook trout and brown trout, you know, two, sometimes up to three pounds in there. Wow. It was a blast. And every now and again, one of the DNR people would drive in and they'd see us and they'd shoo us off. But yeah, we got into a little bit of trouble doing that. A lot of fun though. That had to be awesome. 
was it like a like their like breeder tank or just no these were these were wild fish that would swim up the cherry creek and that's as far as they could get it was oh, almost was, like a like a dam right oh, there just stay there then and they'd stay right there because it was a nice deep cool pool with rocks and and whatnot and it was the biggest it. part of the of the stream at that point because they like recreated a larger area for fish to oh, to pool there gotcha. so so moving on to high school got a car yeah. how a vehicle how'd that oh, go oh man or you open up new horizons of where you guys were going what that's, you guys that's kind of when we in? got into uh learning how to walleye fish okay. you know um the walleye lakes were further away 20 miles 30 40 miles away wow. from where we grew up and uh, <laughs> i had a 78 cutlass supreme <laughs> and i'd put a 12 foot boat on the roof and tie it through the windows and i'd take that to the lakes wow. and put a little gas motor in the trunk yep. put our gear in the trunk and that's where we'd uh venture off for the day but having a car was was key to getting to learning how to fish right. walleyes so what made you want to go since they're so far away what made you want to go just something that you've seen or heard or anything well, like that well i mean our, our dads would take us to these lakes on okay. occasion so we knew they were there yep but it's a heck of a lot more fun fishing with your buddies and getting into trouble you know, staying up all night, camping out on those lakes, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So that's pretty awesome. So what was the first boat like? Uh, a 12 foot little Miro craft leaked. always had a coffee can in it to <laughs> bail out the water. Um, shallow, you know, it was one, it wasn't a deep view. It was a shallow, okay. uh, 12 foot boat. So we had to be a little careful in you know, kind of the water we fished out of it, but it served its purpose. I'm sure we put hundreds of walleyes over the side of the <laughs> the gunnel on those on that boat so um when did you graduate to the next boat boy let me think uh i had that boat basically all the way through high school um college same boats uh we did have another 12 foot deep v that we'd take out on lake superior coho fishing <laughs> in february that's <laughs> a whole other story v, lake superior. yeah uh, we sometimes would even walk it out on the ice because we needed a boat to stay on top of the ice because we'd break through to get out to these little warm water discharges where the cohos uh, lived. But um, man, you know, I think I was I was in a twelve foot boat all the way through high school, college. Uh, my friend Jason Peterson, his dad had a fourteen foot boat, so that became our lake trout fishing boat. I take that out two miles offshore. So we did a lot of crazy things in, in small boats back then. Right. But I mean, the boats weren't quite, I mean, there was big boats then, but it wasn't quite the difference as it, I think as it now. Yeah. Now I mean, tiller, you know, nine horse, maybe a 15 horse tiller, a little flasher for a graph yeah. and an old bow mount on it. You know, 12 volt bow yeah. mount is, is what we uh, ventured. That off. was pretty much standard though, back yeah. then, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody was rolling 18 foot lunds and yeah. When we'd see somebody with and, a big, a big fancy boat, that was, that was like an 18 foot tin boat with you know a, a hummingbird graph on it you know and and maybe uh maybe a pedestal seat up front <laughs> that was a big thing <laughs> yeah so what's um what growing up what was there tv shows that you were watching what was oh yeah kind of what was sparking your interest uh, that you had to catch on as on a kid ears? i remember on the weekends it was babe winkleman outdoors i always got to watch babe um that's kind of how i got into wanting to learn how to walleye fish because yep. that's basically all he did over in Pretty minnesota much. was walleye fish um linder i remember linders uh as a kid growing up in fisherman yeah yep and then in the up we had a local station a local outdoor show called discovering okay and uh the guy that 
ran it. His name was Buck Lavasser. So he would go out and fish with people. He wasn't, I guess, quote unquote, the professional angler, mm-hmm. but he'd go out with people and then film you. a show. Kinda and like we'd watch that every week. John Gillespie. Yeah, kind of like that. Yep, yep. You're so. on you're on Uber up there. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So the first electronics you got, what was that like for you? Gosh, uh, monochrome. Uh, was a Lowrance LX15, I think is what it was, if okay. memory serves me. It was like a seven-inch screen. Man, I thought I was the you know king of the hill <laughs> with that. Boy, it's come a long way. I think I got it got into an LCX, which was the color yep. version back then. And you know, Lowrance kept up in the game. And once I got into really serious walleye fishing, I had to have those those graphs on the boat you know the color was key oh yep. wow now we've got chart plotting this is right. cool i don't have to line up a house and a buoy <laughs> to get to this spot right. so yeah it was kind of neat did you ever think back then that where would be at today with live scope and all the crazy stuff and absolutely not because i remember and i to this day i'll have conversations in the boat about chart plotting and you know having that little triangle as your boat either pointing north yep. or course up however you like to do it. I do, I do course up. Um, but a lot of guys like the North up face and we've got a lake literally on our screen Mm -hmm. with all of the contours and the structure right there at our fingertips. It's almost like closing your eyes and knowing exactly where everything is under the water. And to this day, you know, I've been doing this for how long now it still blows my mind how we're able to map out a lake, put it on a screen and drive an object exactly Love over it. what we're looking to target fish on. Right. Now fast forward to forward facing sonar and what we're able to do with that, yeah. that is unbelievable. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to even take a cast anymore without, without look. first looking and seeing if there's fish there yeah. for me to cast at. Um, we've A lot of guys have gotten really good at it. Um, it does take time understanding what you're looking at how to fine tune your screen based on the body of water that you're fishing. Mm -hmm. But you see a target out there at 60, 70, 80 feet and you cast at it, your chances of catching that fish dramatically increase with forward facing sonar. That's correct. It's, it is crazy how much it really does matter now. And, uh, and how far we've, we've become, I I never would have guessed that this is where we're going to end up. Yeah. And you like, let your brain kind of, Think about what could be next. Yeah, That's crazy. right. What could be next? I mean, right what <laughs> li- like, like actual three dimensional fishing right. where we're looking at live fish under the water. Right. Who knows That's what's pretty next? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, out of college, so did you still fish a lot in college? A lot of people I've talked to kind of like it, kind of, kind of weighs a little bit. They don't have time, school, partying, girls, kind of get in the way. Well, you know, growing up in the UP, I I went to Northern Michigan University. Um, That's my hometown, Marquette. So I already knew where all the fishing places were. So for me, it was school, partying, fishing in that order. Sometimes we'd change those up a little, but throw in some hunting as well, too. I do love whitetail hunting, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I fished just as hard as I did as a kid, even going through college. Um, I probably fished more during college than I do now. Matter of fact. <laughs> So what about what, when did you, was there a date, a time or a fish you caught that made you go, I'm going to, this is going to be something I do as much as possible every day, every other day, whatever I need to do to get out. Yeah. Um, I remember it specifically, uh, still in the UP, I was fishing with my dad 
uh, in Rapid River, Little Beatty Knock, and we were out perch fishing. Uh, perch season opened before walleye season okay. up there. And we were obviously in the migration trail of where the walleyes were coming and going, where we're perch fishing way up there in Rapid River. And all of a sudden my bobber went down and I set the hook. I don't know. I think it was probably nine, maybe mm-hmm. 10 years old. And my rod buckled right over and five minutes of fighting up comes a 28 inch walleye, wow. still full eggs, enormous in my eyes yep. oh, at God, that yeah. point in life. And I looked at it and back then as a youper, you, you pretty much kept everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you did growing There's up. There's a lot of skeletons in the closet yeah, for, yeah, a lot of, yeah. for a lot of us. <laughs> uh, and my dad looks at me and goes, you got to throw that back, son. And I went, what? I have to throw this back? He's like, it's not season. I'm like, oh my God. I literally cried uh-huh. as I let this fish go. And that was kind of the hook right there when I caught that giant walleye. I've never seen a walleye that big before. Right. And, um, I can't tell you how many 28 inch walleyes I've caught since then. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was the key fish. And that day that I knew that I wanted to learn how to fish walleyes. Wow. That's crazy. That's a hell of a start. Yeah. Right. <laughs> On six pound tests and a wow. little Aberdeen, I think a number six hook or maybe a number eight and a wow. split shot wow. and, a, and a minnow. So what was your first lure that you remember buying? Mep spinner. spinner. Oh yeah, we grew up on Mep spinners. Uh, gold, gold blade, the little red throat body on okay. it, yep. and uh, bear hook. Never put it. Never liked having any of the the squirrel hair or the deer hair on oh, it. Oh really? Yeah. That uh, for some reason we just we caught more fish having just the a bear treble on the back of huh. it. Yeah, we always had the had something on the back. Yeah, the like, fur, the little yeah. red feather tail on yep. them, things like that. Yeah. No, we always stuck to the bear. Number twos, sometimes a number, uh, a zero, but a number two is pretty much what we'd always, if we had any money, that's what we were buying. A number two gold. Was there any, spinner. do you remember the, um, the bait shops up there when you're a kid? The any hole in the yeah, wall? Yeah, we had, had a, up, you pee that you had no box stores. Right. <laughs> now we either dug our worms or, you know, trapped our minnows, but, um, we had a store. I can't remember the name of it on Washington street. Uh, slips my memory, but they, they were kind of like what. TRS was when you guys first opened. Okay. They had a little bit of everything. Okay. Guns, bows, handguns, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, and then I don't recall what had happened. I, they expanded and then they may have just closed up shop at that so. point up there. But well, there's a lot of little mom and pop places that you'd go to. But Right, yeah, that's always the fun ones. Even yeah. now, like when I'm out traveling or fishing wherever, I always try to hit up yep. little mom and pop stops because they're still they still have old stock. Right. So if you're ever looking for cool old Especially things. ice fishing stuff that you can't find. Right. Matter of fact, that triggers my memory. Growing up as a kid, uh, we have gas stations in the UP called Holiday Gas Stations. Yep. Holiday Gas. Yep. I bought my first shotgun at a gas station. You know, they had a beautiful case of guns, uh, yep. rifles, as much ammo as you could get your hands on. And obviously those days have come and gone. Yeah. Well, they still, uh, so they're where I come from. Uh, there's one in Ripon yet that still sells. Really? And then there's one in Montello. That has guns in the That has in the guns. Store. Very they cool. have everything. Actually, the Montello one has the biggest selection of trapping supplies I've ever seen. No kidding. It's like a 30-foot aisle of nothing but trapping supplies. Yeah, I miss, I miss those stores because every time you'd walk into a a holiday gas station you'd always find yourself drifting over to the gun aisle just to see what right. they had in there yeah. remington 870 pump <laughs> that's good that's a good gun that's i sold they sold a lot of those guns yeah. man 
Yeah, I, I love that. I still go on the the one in uh, Ripon quite a bit. They uh, they know that they do. They sell trolling rods. We a lot of stuff for Green Lake. So if you yep. want to get oh, all yeah. outfitted to fit fish Green Lake, everything's there for you. And they have always they come up with this the old selection of salmos, like the old packaging. Sure. Out of the blue, you'll just show up and there'll be a bunch of colors that show up and they're the old packaging. Like, oh hey, I wonder if they're um, they're finding those like at uh, Fleet. Or not flea, but flea, flea sales or whatever they're called. That's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> you know, warehouse big... sales, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So out of college then, you obviously got into fishing more more intensely. Yeah. So um, how did that start? So I moved I moved to Kakana from Marquette uh, the winter after graduation. I think that was like 96, 97, somewhere in that time frame. And I'm literally on this, this Wolf River system. What is this Wolf River system in this spring spawning run? Um, and what is this Lake Winnebago system with all these walleyes? These walleyes do weird things. They go up in marshes and they spawn. Right. I've never heard of that in my life. So I, had to, I obviously needed to understand this. Well, I, I met a friend, still a great friend of mine now, Jason Bloy, uh, who him and I became tight and fished a lot together explored the wolf river was clueless i mean what is this vertical jigging <laughs> slipping down the current i remember doing 360s down the river and and just <laughs> losing my entire tackle box on snags and not knowing what i was doing and that really got to me because you look at the next boat to your left and to your right and they're hoisting another yep. fish in the boat um so me with my i guess compulsive competitive personality that i have i needed to learn how to do this so the way to do that was to have the right equipment yep so i started off with a i don't remember it was like a 1997 starcraft uh fishing ski boat that i modified into basically a fishing boat (laughs) put a tiller trolling motor on the bow my buddy jason built a a plate for it he was in machining so i built the first ever like troller trolling plate for this fish ski boat on, the, on the front, turn it on, put it on backwards, reversed everything. So I could sit in the ball with a tiller trolling motor and learn how to vertical jig down the Wolf river. Nice. And lo and behold, started catching fish. Mm. Um, still didn't understand the whole marsh thing. Like why do these <laughs> fish swim up a marsh? Is this like a weird walleye that I've never heard of before, but obviously you know, we do have a unique system here yep. where these fish swim up marshes where they're protected. And mm-hmm. that's why we have such uh, productive spawning runs yep. as long as mother nature leaves that water in there for mm-hmm. all those fish to move out. But um, that's kind of how I got started. You know, a lot of things happened, you know, over the years since then I got into competitive angling. I want to say in 2005, I heard about this FLW walleye league thing that was going around. <laughs> a friend of mine, Chad, got into it with some of his uh, his um, contacts that were professional anglers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to get into this as a co-angler. It's really fun. You go out and you fish with these pros, you know, and you get to learn things, catch fish. It's competitive. There's money involved. Yeah, I'd like to give that a try. <laughs> I did literally the very first one I was in. And, you know, I had my own boat back then. Yep. So I, I learned, I, I was dangerous enough to know how to catch fish on a Winnebago system. Yep. And the first tournament that I had the opportunity to fish was, was the FLW super tournament was what it was called. Okay. Back then it was a two day tournament. It was a Saturday, Sunday, um, in that FLW league series. And I was going to be uh, teamed up with two different pros that day. 
Kind of like how the NWT yep. does it now with their two-day deal. Yep. You know, you're teamed up with a yep. pro each day. And lo and behold, the first guy that uh, I drew, uh, Tim Winchester, who to this day nice. I'm great Gun. friends with. Gun show. Yep. And <laughs> yep. Tim Gun show. I like that. Uh, and we have our little meeting, and he's he's like, man, I'm not on fish. You know, I, I got some some scratch fish on rocks. So I don't know how much, you know, weight we're going to bring in on day one. And back then as a co-angler, and I believe even to this day, if you're out pre-fishing in your own vessel, you can share that information with, with your pro that you're fishing with yeah. that day. And I said, you know, Tim, I'm on some, some pretty decent fish. And if you want to use my program together, yep. you know, on day one, you know, let's do it. He's like, all right, well, what do we need? I said, you need glass shad wraps. He's like, I think I got a couple in my tackle box. Those little pearl glass wrap yep. shad wraps, number fives. I had maybe three or four left as well because um, I was banging them on rocks. Mm -hmm. Well, we go there on day one and we have a day, you know, like no other. And I remember Tim grabbing a rod and his trolling reel blew up off of his trolling rod he had the reel in one hand, the rod in the other, trying to hold them all together in like two to three footers. The wind was coming out of the south, and we were on a rock pile in the far northwest corner of the lake and doing all this. And I've never, you know, to this day, not to this day, I guess I've caught a couple a little bit bigger than this. But all of a sudden in this dirty, murky water, I go with the net and hold reel up or not reel up, but hoist up an eight pounder. Wow. And we put it in the bowl. We both look at it and go, oh, my God. And we already had a good bag with our right. other fish. So day one, we go in leading it first place. Nice. And um, day two, I got teamed up with another really good friend of mine to this day, uh, Dave Shutt. Okay. And uh, Dave and I went off to one of his locations on the east shore because he had some good fish going on there. And uh, we were able to bring in a good bag that day. And my first ever professional walleye tournament, Granted, as a co-angler, uh, I won it wow. as a co-angler. And um, it felt good because I was able to use some of what I learned right. practicing to bring to that event. And that was that was the key moment where I knew I can do this on the other right. side. That's funny that your your first and walleyes were pretty good. I mean, your first walleye yeah. was, you know, yeah. a huge. Right. How did it feel coming down to coming down here knowing that so up, up in the UP, you guys have closed seasons. Mm -hmm. But what was it like coming down like, oh, all these fish are sown up here and we get to keep them and yeah. eat them right away? That was weird. Because like you said, everything closes um, in the UP for certain times of the calendar year just to protect the fish. Yep. Down here, the Winnebago system, it's open year round. And that was new to me. I'm like I can go and ice fish for these things. Yep. Uh, I can target them. March, April, May, June, July during the spawn, you know, all that. So it was neat. And that was, you know, learning that whole where they spawn in these marshes. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a unbelievable spawning system to reproduce. Yep. And the DNR, in my opinion, does a nice job managing yep. what they do on the walleyes. You know, this mm -hmm. going to three fish a couple of years ago. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen the, the age categories of fish over the last couple of decades, seeing them getting disappearing yep. out of the system because they're easy to catch yep. the bait population isn't there so that you can catch them all yep. um 
down to three fish. Now we're seeing an influx of quality fish again mm -hmm. already. Yeah. By going to three fish. It didn't take so, very long. Yeah, it doesn't really, take very long. Really have got a great work. system, a great spawning system. I think they're maybe a year behind on the three, but yeah. I think they go into it, it was never going to, it's very tough to, to change like that. In the system it is. And this expect. is a, a very traditional, you know, raft fishing, you yeah. know, all that stuff mm -hmm. to go to three fish on a raft. Cause that's a very old school, traditional way of, of fishing for walleyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine if they protected the, the run right. during that time frame and all those traditions yeah. disappearing. It'd be pretty crazy. I mean, there's a lot of families and growing up on the system, a lot of people that just fish that time of year. Yep. That's the time they get, they get the old boats right. out. I always joke that the only time that we are allowed to fish on top of each other is in the spring when we're just yeah. getting the boats for the year and we're banging off each yep. other and trying not to bang off each other. But it's crazy that, that there, that's kind of the time of year where a lot of people go out and they catch their fish for the summer right. or whatever. They're out three, that's four days it. a week and yep. then that's, they're done. The yep. boat gets put away. They might right. go out bluegill fishing here, or there, but that's yep. it. I've even gotten to that point where, um, I'll keep a few fish in the spring. I rarely keep a walleye all summer. Um, matter of fact, I, I don't even know the last time I kept a fish here. I go to Lake Erie with a bunch of buddies in December and that's kind of when we quote unquote, fill our freezer, yep. you know, with walleye. Uh, honestly, I think they taste a little better too. For the full version of this podcast, check out Fix TV. And remember, follow me on the talk at Smile and Fish and everywhere else at Matt Snell.